Hello and welcome to this Hot Topics, the studio discussion on cloud economics for the digital first enterprise. And I'm joined by business and technology leaders today to discuss how we take the cloud and understand its economic model and discuss that with our wider organizations. Joining me today are Andreas Galatis, KK Kumar, Ashish Gupta, Christina Scott, and Desfield Corbett. Welcome all and thank you for joining me. I'm going to assume everyone's organizations is uh, on the cloud journey, perhaps even largely cloud. That, that was a big decision in your organizations. So the thing I'd like to discuss first is when you've taken that organization through that journey, how did you ensure that the investment was right and communicate that investment journey right? KK, if I may, I'm going to start with you. Absolutely, happy to. It's actually a really difficult decision deciding, first of all, to go on the cloud, and then second, to go on which cloud. And oftentimes when you start, you don't actually know where you're going to end up. So in our case, I'll give you one example of a company I was uh, at in the last few years. We started out on Azure. Actually, we started out on Google. Um, and we realized when we went into certain countries that it wouldn't work there. And then all of a sudden, overnight, we had to think about, oh no, what do we do now? And go to certain other clouds. In a different company altogether, we actually started on AWS and had some issues, and somebody went and purchased BigQuery with their personal credit card, and overnight, we were on two clouds. So I, if I could do this again, what I would <laughs> do is to be able to think through this far enough, say, where am I going to be from a compliance perspective, from a capabilities perspective, which countries am I going to be in, what kind of workloads am I going to be running? And then based on that, if I could take some of those decisions up front, then I would plan that single cloud journey at some point. I would still definitely go on the cloud. All the flexibility that we've seen, the not having to sink money into uh, things that are sitting in your data center and getting older by the day, all of those things convince me that going to the cloud is a no-brainer if you can for compliance reasons and other reasons. But just be methodical about it and think it through. Yeah. There's your with Allianz, which I imagine is at different parts of the journey, different parts of the organization, in different geographies. How have you had to sort of explain the investment to the organization and make sure it's right for each different jurisdiction in, in effect? Yeah, it's actually it's a little different because I'm in a part of Allianz called Allianz Direct, and we are a greenfield startup. So we started from scratch, and, and as you said, it's it was a no-brainer. We weren't going to pick on-premise uh, four years ago. It was it was the cloud or nothing. But the reasons we took for that are, are only partially economic. There was there was things around you know the speed we could do things. Uh, did we really believe that we would be more secure on-prem than on cloud? Uh, and those really drove the decisions. The the economics had kind of been laid out by then, right? So we knew that it would at least not be more expensive to be on the cloud. Um, the main concern we have is controlling costs, right? So how do we know how much we're spending? Are we spending on the right thing? And those really are what we focused on when we made the decision. Yeah. Christina, you've probably taken a number of legacy estates down that journey. How did you map out the investment? Yeah, you made it sound so simple with your question. <laughs> so Ovo uh, was founded in 2009 and, and was cloud native, but then bought SSE Retail, which is very much legacy technology. So I now have mainframe in the mix. And so we're going through the process of trying to move on to modern technology, uh, multi-cloud solution, but I currently have all cloud solutions uh, across, the, <laughs> across the company. <laughs> so we're just trying to rationalize and simplify at the moment, um, which is the big focus for the next year. So the economic debate is actually understanding which cloud is right 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you have different teams who have grown up with different cloud solutions and have different cloud skills. And so obviously you always have to look at not just the cloud economics, but the reality of the people. Yes. And they have their favorites. They certainly do. <laughs> Andreas, you, you come at it much, you're in a data side of the organization, a data team, but I imagine there's still, you've got to stack up an economic case as to why you're going to use these particular cloud-based data tools. Yes, it's interesting. I'll go back to the KK's point that if he could do it again, he would do it differently. I can reassure him, work for consultants, you have to do that almost every second day. And you always find something that you didn't do right, even the ninth time that you do it, you go back, you redo it, and you're like, so I've done that different the, at the same time. On the economics kind of things with cloud, I'll be a bit controversial here that on my personal opinion, if you do it cheaper than in-house, you're doing it wrong. Because if you move to the cloud, that means that you have bigger capacity, bigger capabilities, you can do more things. So if anything, I never came across the challenge of is it cheaper than in-house, is more of what value do you return if you go into cloud? It's a good point, it's a good point. Ashish, you get to see a multitude of vertical markets. You must have heard many similar stories from what you've heard around the table. What else have you heard that uh, you'd add to that? So, you know, uh, I'd sort of echo a lot of the stories which uh, we've heard. As you know, we sort of work with a lot of large organizations in helping them sort of uh, on the journey to cloud. And what I've sort of seen in all the journeys is, you know, some of it is a reaction to uh, shadow IT, right? Some of it is a reaction to the board sort of pressurizing the CIO saying, why aren't we doing cloud or why aren't we doing digital, right? Uh, you know, and some of it is just, uh, you know, everybody else is doing cloud, so why shouldn't I do cloud as well, right? And I'm talking some pretty large organizations where I've sort of seen this play out. And, uh, you know, the way I sort of think about this is that over the last uh, two or three years, uh, the, uh, the one area where I think people make a mistake when it comes to cloud, and I completely agree with you, is they overpromise on the uh, economic business case, right? They start, you know, when and, uh, there's this saying, right? When you have a hammer, everything is a nail, right? So, uh, you know, if you're used to sort of justifying to the CFO technology investments, then cloud gets, uh, you know, uh, justified very much in that manner. So, the you know, problem number one, which I've seen is exactly that. The second thing is, I think people underappreciate what the cloud brings, uh, you know, it's a completely different technology underpinning capability. It's a different economic capability and it is a different consumption capability. So if you think about all of these three vectors and sort of say, you know, uh, how am I really going to migrate to the cloud, right? Then you'll start to see that there are many other sort of optimizations you should do in advance of actually landing onto the cloud. Very much like you know the sort of uh, the sort of diverse environment which you have, and taking it to the cloud. And the third area, which I think, especially in large organizations, once you've landed on the cloud, and then the bills are starting to get racked up, uh, that is when people are like, you know, what do we do? How do we control this? Uh, and what I've uh, what I've recognized and what we tell all our customers is you have to be a lot more deliberate in your operating model in terms of cloud economics, in terms of the costs which underpin your cloud. And if you sort of are deliberate about it and you can create that as a sort of a organizational capability, right, then you're controlling it day one, but you're controlling it on an ongoing basis, right? So th three or four things which I've sort of seen in multiple customers, uh, you know, as cloud is evolved. It's a great point. And building on that, um, in my travels, I keep hearing about this cloud FinOps model of 
that puts the cloud operating economics into financial language that both uh, the financial teams and the technology teams are learning. And it's, it's about educating the financial teams about technology and educating the technology teams about finance. Is that now, particularly with exactly those points that she has just made, vital that, that our technology teams become so much more financially aware and our financial teams become so much more technologically aware are you all beginning on that journey or perhaps all the way down it? I see you agree. Yeah, I mean, totally. So, so having lived through a number of experiences where you see developers spinning up instances and actually you don't think about when you can uh, archive things and put them onto cheap instances and all the rest of it. Uh, we've got tools, I think it's AWS Instant Scheduler, but but tools where actually the developers can say, okay, I'm going to run these things at a cheaper time. Yeah. Um, and so actually you need the development organization to understand the economics and to help you run it in, in, and optimize it in the best way because they're the ones who are doing all the work. Mm. Um, I think you definitely need your finance teams to help in terms of the overall cost and being able to manage, but also to understand because often they just look at the cost going up and up and up. And I think somebody said it's because actually the business has evolved and you've moved more to a digital business mm. And so obviously it's the cost associated with that that's going up. It's not that you're just getting less efficient yeah. over time. So I think that you, you do need both. And I think there are more tools to help appearing. Yeah. And I imagine there's costs coming out somewhere else. Otherwise, we're not all doing our jobs properly. You'd hope so. <laughs> you know, what okay. she said that was really critical is that business, not the finance part, right? What most people forget is, I'll give you a, an example from retail. So having run data at two major public retailers, what's that one most important day in the life of a retailer, an online retailer? It's Black Friday, right? On that one day, you're going to make or kill your business for that quarter, right? Now, imagine doing it in a data center in your own place when you don't know what that traffic is going to be and buying 10 times that equipment, the 10 times the routing, the 10 times everything or going to a cloud vendor and saying, I'm going to reserve 90% of this and I'm going to leave the rest 10% as you know, whatever happens at that time. And that takes care of 90% of your traffic on that day. But I don't have to buy all that other stuff, right? So if you think about it from a finance perspective, it's, an, it's a no-brainer again. But if you think about it from a business perspective, it's an imperative. I cannot lose customers on Black Friday. It's not a finance question. It's a business question. Mm. Des, I imagine your experience is quite similar as a greenfield business. You know, you've, you've got to win from day one when you're when you're yeah. new, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think as well. It, it, it's not so much if, if your cloud transformation is just about lifting and shift infrastructure to the cloud, you may get some cost savings, right? But you're not really taking advantage of what the cloud can do. I think when we built the the organization, we built an organization that wanted to empower small teams to do things. That can be develop software, but it's also about the finance of what it costs to run that software. So we've built kind of FinOps into our pipeline. So the engineers decide this is the resources I need for this service, and they monitor that. And they get alerts when it goes beyond expectations, just like we would for performance results. And, and by doing that, it's super hard for me as the CEO of an organization of, it's only 300 engineers, you know, how, how do I monitor their costs and know what they're doing? But that team knows those five services really well. They know if they can save money. They know if they want to move that S3 bucket to Glacier. It's much, it's much easier and more efficient if they do it. Yeah. 
Ashish, that's a really powerful point, isn't it? That it's really hard for CIOs to monitor 300 engineers pr producing probably multiple products themselves per, per engineer. So is this FinOps therefore an empowerment back to the, to the engineers uh, to take, take more responsibility of the, of the economics and understand it themselves, but still be empowered to keep producing the products that the digital economy requires? Yeah, I completely agree with that. The way to think about the whole FinOps area is, uh, you know, obviously the development teams know how to use the capability. And typically, you know, I would say most of them will be sort of predicated around using the technology for technology's sake. A lot of a lot of technology people would be sort of uh, like that. So if we can really educate them about the cost economics and that really becomes a part of their operating model, very much like performances or very much like operations is today, right? Then that really helps, right? Uh, the second thing also is, I said, uh, you know, the way I think about it is it's technology, it's, uh, you know, the economics and the consumption, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have to start talking about consumption and the economics and then justify it back into the business, right? And which is why I almost sort of think that in the larger organizations where we're working, you know, creating a, a capability which is actually forecasting costs, uh, you know, showing how, how you're sort of consuming what you bought more effectively and more efficiently is almost a sort of muscle which you need to develop as an organization in this world. You may call it FinOps, you may call it uh, many other things. And there are some very good frameworks which are starting to come around lots of tools, right, which are starting to come around. So it's just a capability which needs to be built, but it starts with the developer, 100%, yes. And Andreas, when I deal with the data world, it's not that different from the developer world. Actually, there's lots of data people spinning up new things all the time. Do you listen yeah. to this and go, yeah, we've got some very similar I, issues? Yes, to be honest, I just went with our finance department and on all the different experiences that I had, I went a bit rogue. What I mean with that, yes, you always start with your own credit card. That's by default. When you start a cloud solution, <laughs> you always buy the first instance with your credit card. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. Uh, but what I usually do is I move the finance into the cloud. So I take the process that they have on their lovely Excel spreadsheets and put them into the cloud on a nice Power BI dashboard that they love, that they enjoy. And then when they keep on loading more data and the dashboard can slower and slower, then complain like, Yes, it has to be faster because it's not as fast as it used to be. I'm like, yes, we have to increase the budget now. So eventually they get why we're asking it rather than try to build a case because <laughs> they are part of the journey and they get a frustration and clicking on a, on, a, on a graph that takes about 30 seconds when they're used to a few milliseconds. They, they see the case of giving the money afterwards. So that's, that's <laughs> usually my approach. So, sounds like my children. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a couple of you mentioned about having multiple cloud environments and, and that is increasing, I think, in many organizations. Are there risks, security risks and business risks to that? Um, but also, I, I imagine there's a high degree if you need a multi-cloud environment. How do you deal with those risks? KK, I think you were one of the people who suggested that. I think it's a, it's a brilliant question there. It's not just risks in you know what's obvious, the security and things like that. It's also your data across the two. I'm a data guy, right? The data gets out of sync, even though you might be using Kafka or the, some kind of a event mechanism, publish, subscribe, so that you actually uh, submit things. At the same time in both clouds, what actually ends up happening is you do diverge. And then what happens is a business that's actually taking decisions based on something that's on one cloud versus a, another part of the business getting a different answer for the same kind of question that you're asking. So what, it, what is really important, first of all, is to think about why are you on multiple clouds? 
every time you send something out of one cloud into another cloud, you're paying for it, right? All of these cloud vendors make it zero cost to bring data in. And then they charge you when you lose, when you yeah. move the data out. They're not charities. <laughs> They're not charities. <laughs> <laughs> They're very smart. And, and what that means is, to that FinOps question, right? If you ha are on multiple clouds, there better be a really good reason why you're on multiple clouds. Because every time you push that data out of one to the other, you're paying an Amazon or a Google or a Microsoft for that. So it's not just the security. The security is absolutely paramount. It gets harder if you have a you know a zone of destruction destruction that's actually limited, right? Something goes wrong in one area, you can limit it. If you actually have that same data sitting in multiple places, it gets harder and harder, especially with things like GDPR, personal information, all of those things. You want to be limited as much as you can. But sometimes you have to do it because of compliance or certain other reasons. Certain vendors don't work in certain places. And therefore, you have to do it. When you do it, limit your exposure is the most important thing. And then absolutely use AI ML to watch what's actually happening on the security side so that you're not just behind the space, right? You have to be ahead of it in protection. Yeah. Andreas, that environment of the single version of the truth not being a single version must be something you deal with all the time. Uh, yes, and uh, till I joined construction civil infrastructure that I'm now, I could see the case of why would you have multiple environments. Unfortunately, where I'm currently operating, and that's different from the previous experience that I had, a lot of vendors will not, if we're talking about design documents, construction documents, and all of these will have to operate on specific clouds that, like ACC, which is Autodesk, Bentley systems, etc., which by default you operate outside of um, Azure, AWS, and Google. So you do need to have a case that I store all my design documents in one cloud, I store all the other information in another cloud because neither of them can speak to each other, and then you need to find the best solution to join them. So there are cases that is, it is actually mm -hmm. important to do, and the single version of truth is, is the biggest chance you have because then all of this are downloaded on local PCs and everyone has a completely different opinion of what's happening, which can be a bit of a challenge. But again, if you have the right tools, if you have the process in place rather than the tools, and what I usually say, invest on the people to understand wh what we're doing and enhance their knowledge. You, yes, you still have the challenge, but it's a bit more limited. Yeah, because you mentioned a, a multi, a multi, multi-cloud environment. <laughs> I, mean, <you're, laughs> I mean, what risks are you concerned about and, and dealing with? You're just splitting all the risks, I guess, aren't you? In, including just um, focus and the skills, and and so it doesn't make sense. We don't need to have. Um, obviously, I'm in danger of all the suppliers contacting me after this, but but <laughs> we, we don't need to have lots of different cloud providers. I don't think we'll get down to one. I think we'll probably get down to two. And I think two is sensible because actually you're not locking yourself into a single vendor. And I think that it's good to have vendors competitive against each other and, and actually having a foot in two is I'm quite happy with. But I, I think more than that is not the right solution yeah. unless something changes with the business and to the, some of the points that you've made, it pushes us to, to a third one. It's a bit like the airline industry used to be, isn't it? That they had multi, they had fleets of every different aircraft manufacturer yeah, yeah, you could yeah. think of, yeah. and then they, they boiled it down to two, in effect, haven't they? Depending on the type of uh, journey the vehicle is making, how different though is it? That, that, you know, do you have a multi-cloud environment? Is that necessary, or were you able to 
keep it nice and simple. Yeah, we, we had a kind of an alternative opinion. I think many large organizations have a little bit of a hangover from the big database days when they were locked into a vendor and the purchasing organization is still scarred from those negotiations. <laughs> I think there's plenty of reasons to have a multi-cloud strategy. I'm not sure competition between the cloud vendors is one of them. You'd want to be really, really big for them to care, frankly, right? Um, and, I, and I don't think even Allianz at our size is, is not, you know, is, is only barely maybe knocking at their door. For me, the, one of the main reasons, again, we went to the cloud was speed, right? This, it's a digital transformation journey. It's not about saving costs, right? And if you go to do, do a multi-channel or multi-cloud as a strategy because you want to have two vendors, what you're picking there is the lowest common denominator of all the tools out there, right? You have to make sure everything's available in both places. Um, and if you do this, then I think that's really taking away from your opportunity, right? And it's slowing you down as an organization. Um, and that's not what we wanted to do, right? So we picked on a cloud. Uh, we, were one of, we were kind of alone in that in a, in a way, and, but it's really, I think, paid off for us because part of what we wanted to do was to show that new technologies could really transform how insurance is built. Uh, and if we had gone to multi-cloud, I don't think we would be where we are today. Interesting. As a, as a systems integrator, uh, it, a, a multi-cloud environment, I presume, is, is Good news, isn't it? Or is it <laughs> yeah. so, so the, you know, the, actually, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, uh, with the view that if you can stay on a one cloud, right? Uh, but for an organization like Alliance or for uh, Over Energy SSE, right? I suspect that what you will end up finding is you will definitely need a certain amount of workload on the hybrid cloud on a private, you know, hosted environment, and then you will have to have one other cloud or maybe two other clouds, depending on what your sort of strategy is. A lot of customers uh, we have uh, really do use two you know, alternative cloud providers. Although I do suspect that those cloud providers will really in uh, in reality never compete right uh, in commercial terms because you know one uh, one set of vendors is let's say handling all the marketing you know uh, related sort of uh, applications and the others are handling all the supply chain and manufacturing and so on and so forth right so uh, po possibly comp competition is not the one but just in the way in which i think the cloud is evolving so you know we've had this saying that all in cloud is really what i started talking to the market about about 4 or 5 years back but I would say now I'm starting to be a bit more cautious, right? And saying that as you as you see, you know, I can see a couple of sort of uh, uh, you know winds which are blowing the other way, right? Edge computing and you know data at the edge, right? Is one thing which will actually fragment your sort of uh, you know all-in cloud strategy, right? Uh, by definition, privacy and security, right? Also because it's uh, you know it's better to have a million places where the data is rather than one place where the data is, uh, you know, from where, where it can be hacked, right, also lends itself to a slightly more uh, distributed sort of environment, right. So in my mind, you know, as we see digital transformation really take root across edge devices and so on and so forth, you will start to see a really more complex, you know, edge to cloud environment with something in the middle. You will have to configure your security and your networks to that environment, because that's really how your business is actually going to consume the capabilities which your digital transformation is driving. So the business is driving that you know, capability, and that's how your network security, everything will be. And it may just mean, yeah, you, uh, you may or may not like it, but it's going to just be a lot more complex. That's, that's really the reality. And that's where hopefully people like us provide the value 
of coming in and saying this is how you sort of manage it these are the organizational steps you take these are the process steps you take these are the tools and technologies which you do to sort of help you manage this uh, complexity that's point. the way i think a uh, final question is um there's there's a quite a bit of confusion uh, in the industry about cloud and its sort of role in helping organizations be sustainable. And obviously, all organizations are trying to work out their scope one, two, and three uh, impacts. How have you found the cloud industry in, in, in both achieving sustainability goals and helping you understand where where you are in, the, in those scopes? Christina, I know your OVO has, has a big in, big focus on the, on sustainability. Yes, obviously that was the purpose of the company, so, yes. <laughs> so we have to take it seriously. And I think it, it does play um, a big part in, in where we're looking to partner. And I would say some cloud providers are better than others. Um, but also if we go back to the question about FinOps, I don't know if green ops is a thing, but we're trying to make it a thing. So actually the developers should be thinking about the impact so it's not just the cost, but the impact we're having. Nothing is as green as not having something running. Yeah. Uh, so getting rid of things. Um, but the second best is actually, can you, you can you change your usage to be the most carbon-free times? And so I think that that's something that we are probably focus on actually even more slightly than the cost, because the cost is a side effect of that. Mm. And so we've introduced this thing called Green Days, where we allow everybody in the company to really think about actually how can we be greener as a company which includes speaking to suppliers and really looking at the whole supply chain interesting kk you're talking to a number of organizations are you how are you finding the the sustainability issue it's fascinating it's very close to my heart first of all and i think us as a any of these companies you know how many servers will i buy if i had to deploy everything you know a thousand servers ten thousand servers if i think about what an amazon buys Right? Will they be able to be more sustainable than I am? Absolutely, always. They can put more energy into it, have more people doing better things. But I think we miss the point. Let me ask you a question. How many liters of water do you think it takes to make one pair of jeans, one pair of denims? Take a guess. Anybody? Is it 100 maybe? 100 liters, anybody else? 60, 60 liters, 10,000 liters Ooh, of I water for one <laughs> pair of denims that sold for 20 pounds in the supermarket, right? Now think about how much environmental impact happens from that business, right? When we think about the small impacts that we can make from a cloud or another cloud versus the amount of impact uh, that you can make with that business, right? If I sell that pair of denims to the wrong person, and they, it gets shipped by air, adding pollutants, gets to them, they don't wear it, and it's sitting in their closet somewhere. We've lost 10,000 liters of water, right? If you look on Google, there's a sea called Aral Sea, which disappeared completely. It's today a desert, and it's a sea. It's an entire sea in the middle of uh, you know, Asia, and it's gone because everybody around them started making denims. So the thing we have to do is to, we have to think about it from the point of view of the business. What is the business doing that is environmentally sustainable, right? And for us, doing more machine learning so that that personalization happens, so that that customer doesn't buy the wrong thing, gets the right experience, saves that 10,000 liters, 
I think that's a far more impactful thing that we can do. Hmm. I agree, but I wouldn't take the pressure off. Yeah. I wouldn't. Just in case anyone yeah, listens yeah. from my yes. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> okay. I, I would slightly disagree on doing more ML. I would say, I think we need to do less personalization. If anything, I think we need to be a bit more reserved on what marketing we do, how many algorithms we're running to do marketing without purpose, because something we don't usually say about sustainability is that the data centers, and that's a bit, again, controversial to what we're discussing, but the data centers create the same emissions while they operate as the airline industry, and no one is focusing on that. And it seems that's going to be increasing when the airline industry is going to kind of remain the same, maybe increase not as fast as the technology. So I will start questioning the purpose of, of some of the analysis that we're doing. And I know that it's back to FinSops, brings us money back on the, you know, on doing the analysis because we personalize and we increase our sales. But do you have to send this marketing email that you personalized? Is it worth it? May I respond? Yes. Please. So there are personalization that I agree with you on that. There are other places I don't. The most important reason why that denim is not used is it's the wrong size. And to be able to predict that the size that you're buying is not going to fit you and be able to tell them, please look for this other size and not the one that you're buying, that changes the whole equation. So my point is this. I think it's not whether we do more machine learning and use more data centers or more cloud. It's about using it in the right place. Right? And for the business, for the environment, all of these businesses, all of us, we have to be more environmentally sensitive. And both on the data centers, as well as on, are we giving that person the thing that he's actually going to use and going to be happy with? Nicely argued by both of you. Andreas and I were talking earlier about an organization I met recently that has a Teams in, in, in instance, and obviously Microsoft had deletes emails after 90 days, I think it is, but this organization didn't want that, so bought more, uh, bought a managed service that backs up all of that data, where other than, as Andreas very brightly pointed out, analyzing how much of that they really do need to keep, and just keeping that. I don't wish to presume for the company, or are they just uh, keeping all of it, uh, as, as we all do as businesses, don't we, which is, is risky. How, is the green agenda part of what you're working with with this with Allianz and, and how does that impact your, your cloud decisions? Yeah, actually it's a big part of Allianz strategy. So Allianz is one of the leaders in ESG and has been continuously campaigning for, our strength is really on the investment side, so investing in sustainable infrastructure projects, but it does trickle down to us and in other parts of the, uh, the organization. For me, the, the cloud is a helper, right? I, I couldn't have the impact on our emissions that I, that I can have by choosing the right cloud provider. Um, if I have still had five data centers in different parts of Europe, it would be really difficult for me to find green providers electricity, make sure the wastewater is okay, but I can, and Allianz can, pressure the cloud providers to do that for us. Um, we have actually much stricter targets internally than, than we're complied to do with, and I think we have two years to be fully um, sustainable in our uh, IT infrastructure. At the moment, we can do that only really by going to the cloud. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And last but no means, uh, Lise, are you hearing from people like around this table being more demanding, they're expecting organizations like yours that provide these services to demonstrate that you're you're doing your bit. And, and as, uh, as Des just said, you know, by going to you, you can help them reduce their impact. Yeah, let's break the question down into, okay, uh, you know, is HCL 
you know, somebody who is sort of top on the ESG agenda and do we have a strategy to sort of help in sustainability? Is that an important question? The answer is absolutely yes. Without that, that's like, a, you know, it's an exam question which you have to pass to be at least at the table. You know, when it comes to uh, companies actually making decisions around sustainability, being the reason why they're sort of choosing one path or the other, is the sort of uh, is the world there yet? I do, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think it is. Right? Uh, you know, very much like uh, I think we should be. It's not an or, right? Uh, it's an and, right? Uh, because there's only one Earth at the end of the day. We are only dealing, uh, and we are sort of you know uh, very fast moving it to a direction where I don't think we'll have choices left in the next five seven years. All of us, you know, we're masters at getting into a crisis, then finding a way out. We are already at the precipice uh, in terms of uh, sustainability and climate change. Just in terms of IT, right? Uh, the way to think about it is that as we move to clouds uh, or uh, you know a cloud sort of environment, uh, you know the first thing is that your your sort of uh, carbon uh, you know uh, emissions decrease by about ninety percent. Now th these are numbers which are actually very well crafted, and I absolutely loved your concept of. Uh, you know, uh, green ops, right? I think again, uh, building it into the way into the way the coding is done, people are thinking about how the sort of functionality be, is being sort of uh, used, right? Uh, in terms of storage capacity and so on and so forth, right? Uh, really is at the heart of uh, getting this because uh, you know there was a there was a study about ten years back of uh, seven, uh, you know, which said only about twenty percent of the capacity in data centers was used. Even today, I can bet that actually even in clouds which you use or which you have, you use about 60-70% capacity, right? So there is huge amount of waste, you know, lying all over. And this is just waste which is what you can see. The waste of your programs is something which is of completely order of magnitude different because we haven't sort of thought about it. So across the whole technology landscape, should sustainability become a more important sort of uh, initiative? I, I think the answer is absolutely yes. Fantastic. Thank you all for a, a brilliant debate. It's fascinating to me to, to have experienced the cloud journey from being a nascent technology that people were very sort of standoffish about at one point to now we're talking about it in pure economic and environmental terms. And that's, a, that's quite a journey and quite a short space of time for one piece of technology. Thank you for joining us for this Hot Topics, the studio debate.